Hello, everyone. Welcome back, or welcome to Passing Dimes Podcast. Unfortunately, Dallas couldn't join me today, but you know, I traded that guy for for a popular guest here in the Nine Man community. They have a big tournament coming up for Canada Day, so I thought I'd bring in the best expert I know. So, joining me today is Wesley Kong. He is a 16-year vet of the sport of Nine Man. He's won the Canada Day tournament. He's won the New York Mini. Uh, and I'm going to have to check my facts. You played in the major final, but I don't think you've won the major, right? No, no. A few top four finishes as well and some finals. Nice. So who better to bring in than the experts? So welcome to the show. Wes, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the being an honored guest. Wow. Dallas's seat. I got a, a hot seat to take over. Yeah, you got to be quite witty if you're going to take over for that guy. So uh, let's start it off. I'm not sure any of our existing listeners, welcome to any new ones who do understand Nine Man, but let's let's break it down right from the start. Uh, nine-man volleyball on the men's side. Can you explain some of the rules and then we'll get into the heritage? Let's just kind of treat it like we're at square one and, and some of our viewers have maybe never heard of it and let, let's get into it. So all purposes aside, all intents purposes aside, it is volleyball, uh, but there are various rules. So the court's bigger, a meter on the back end and a little wider on, the, on each side. The net is a little lower. Uh, you have nine individuals on the court either five in the front court, four in the back court, six in the front court, or three in the back court, depending on your variation. No rotating. The servers only rotate. So you have up to three servers that can serve at a time, and they can play, in theory, any position. Right. There's no penetrating on the block. So there's a sometimes contentious disagreements in terms of the call, in terms of a penetration on the block. You have to stay the plane of the net. You can go as high as you want, but you can't break the plane of the net. And there's this invisible plane. Mm -hmm. that the up referee has to kind of, in theory, call. Uh, you can only use elbows down in terms of contact. You can lift the ball, but in one fluid motion. So not holding the ball, but you can under kind of palm it, kind of like a, your traditional volleyball lift, but yep. it has to be one quick movement. There's also usage of the net, which is a continuation of contact. So if you're contacting a ball on second contact and you put it into the net, you, in theory, after the net, can reset it as the second contact. Good. And I think the lift rule applies for almost like a throwing or dunking motion. Usually the fastball, the guy is technically more of a throw than a hit, right? Yes. So there's that fastball, which they call a hook. So it's traditionally called a hook, but we call it now fastball. And it's in one fluid motion that you can hold the ball. And you, ha you cannot lift it and curl it over and throw it down. It has to be pushed into your hand and then fluidly pushed down in one motion. Nice, so we'll hopefully get some video up on our Instagram page, but as you're listening, I'm, I'm sure our listeners are, are kind of cluing in that the rules are designed to kind of make the rallies last a long time, that if you don't side out on that first ball, the rallies really keep going, defense is really intense, there's a lot of scramble plays, but everything's kind of designed to make everybody inclusive, where you might say nine on nine, like do you even touch the ball? Well, even if you're not touching the ball, I find a nine man, you're involved in the play somehow, right? There's just so much going on. Uh, can you talk about the heritage of why the ball handling is the way it is? I, I My understanding is they didn't have a proper volleyball when they started, right? They had to make a ball out of something. So the games originated in Toisan, which is a southern province of China, closer to the Hong Kong area that we traditionally know. And they brought, the first wave of immigrants came over uh, and brought this game with them. Uh, and the story behind it was they wanted to play it in their various community centers, but due to... I guess at those times not being as inclusive, they were kind of pushed aside saying, what is this weird game that we're, you're playing? So then they kind of had to adapt, and that's why the origins of the game um, were played in Chinatowns across large major cities. 
and they, like you said, used closed clothing lines in various laneways. They used their uh, large kind of bed sheets to create a volleyball at times. So yes, the ball was unorthodoxed in terms of shape because of what they were using to make it. And they also were utilizing kind of the spaces that they were given. So they were pushed into their communities where they were able to kind of foster and reinvigorate what they brought over here from uh, Southern China, Toysan. So yeah, credit to them for finding a way. Uh, again, it's also my understanding that the, the reason the major is on Labor Day, because that was the kind of the, the main holiday that every team had off. So when we say the major, that includes the U.S. and Canada, right? So there's yes. teams from all over that come to this, and the major kind of follows a circuit, right? But it's always on Labor Day no matter what. Is that true? It's always, The major tournament's always on Labor Day. It originated in kind of the first major Chinese uh, North American cities when the immigrants came over. So first wave like Toronto, Montreal, Boston, New York, uh, Washington, and uh, San Francisco were the original six cities because of their large influence of Chinese immigrants coming in on that first wave. So now it's evolved to include LA. Uh, they've done some remote tournaments in Fort Lauderdale, Florida as well. We're seeing some larger teams uh, being created in Houston now, as well as a Vancouver team just started to put together Very a team. Cool. Um, so you're just seeing a larger influence of that Chinese Asian influence and we can get into that those rules afterwards but um, yeah it, it's it's originated because of what the first wave of immigrants they were often in the cooking and China and waitering in Chinese restaurants as well as laundromats dry cleaning so that's why also the influence of the bed sheets and the clothing lines as well right nice so. yeah thank you for that so you being a 16 year vet would you say you have a favorite, whether it be a circuit on the major, or maybe you like the New York Mini, or is it, is it Canada Day here in Toronto? Do you have a, a favorite venue or a favorite tournament that you kind of always look forward to? My favorite, I love New York. I've been fortunate to go to New York 14 times, specifically in Chinatown, Seaward Park. It's a well-run tournament. It's in this kind of New York, Rucker Park-style venue. Uh, but I have a soft spot for San Francisco. I think San Francisco is one of my favorite cities. And it's nice. also when it was played in San Francisco a few times that I went. It was played in the city in a, like an outdoor park. It was in Labor Day, so nice cool weather. It was just a great experience. So I have a soft spot for San Fran. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to meet you through coaching. Uh, I was coaching George Brown at the time, and some of the athletes kept talking about this nine-man thing, and I got to check it out with Nung Lam and, and fell in love with it. So I, I agree with you. The, the New York Mini, for a guy being an outsider going in, I thought that was a great event because, one, it's outside, so you could really get the feel of what nine-man's about. But I always thought it was interesting that there's actual fans there. Like when we made like a semifinal or the final, there's four or five people deep. They're not all fans of the teams playing the game. Like they're just there to kind of enjoy the moment, right? So can you touch on maybe the community of Nine Man where even though, again, this might be underground to some of the mainstream volleyball fans, there's actually a strong following and a strong circuit for people who love the sport, right? And to add to the New York real quick as, as well, it's hosted in Chinatown. So it has that authentic feel, yes. which creates yeah. like you have these older generations, grandfather, great-grandfather age, kind of they're s sitting on the sidelines smoking a cigarette yeah. like screaming stuff in, in the traditional dialect of Toysan. So it's pretty pretty great experience. Um, in terms of my experience uh, and the community element, it's, you know, first wave of immigrants came over with this traditional game and they were just looking for a place to build community. And they unfortunately got resistance in your traditional community center environments, YMCAs. So they resorted and, and created this environment within their Chinese communities. And it kind of fostered and grow, grew. Uh, 2002 is when I started. 
and I will for all purposes inside I'm pretty quote-unquote whitewashed and I didn't really have I had a pretty strong sense of my identity in terms of being Chinese Canadian but I would say through Nyman volleyball my Chinese a my ability to speak Chinese but also my identity of being a Chinese Canadian got significantly stronger I was able to be given an opportunity to have mentors and men of my visible minority uh, coach me both in volleyball and in life in terms of making decisions, helping me with my career, helping me with my volleyball skills. And then because of my length of time with the organization, I was then able to become the mentor. So at first I was the mentee and now I was able to mentor and we were able to really, and we still are, but I'm no longer involved as much, but we were able to create an environment for men to become better men to the community, both through the volleyball court, but then also through society. So what would you credit to, how did you find out about Nine Man? Who kind of pushed you into this sport? Like, I'm sure once you're involved, you felt this strong community, but how did you hear about this for the first time? Do you remember the first time you went to practice, like what that environment was like? It was pretty unique. So I was playing in a Chinese basketball league. It's uh, the Canadian Chinese Youth Athletic Association. And one of my teammates at that time said, you know what, we're starting up a Nine Man team. We're starting up a B team. This is the first time we're doing it. I'd love for you to come out with Bring Your Friends and we'll have a good time. I'll show you what's it about. And I went and it was a great time because I was given the environment. It was an inclusive, non-pressured environment. I just recently stopped playing baseball because I broke my wrist. Long thing politically, but I wasn't able to pursue baseball anymore. I was trying to find another athletic avenue. And this volleyball thing got presented to me in 2002, summer of 2002. And I was like, well, yeah, let's give it a try. I had a couple of friends join me. And it was quite the unique slash really fun experience so to give our listeners a scope so we were a part of nung lam and i think at our peak we've probably had five or maybe as many as six teams under one club how many teams would play at say a canada day on the men's and women's side and how many teams would play at the major can you ballpark it for us like just to give a scope of like how many how many athletes are actually playing the sport right now so i would say canada day is regionally very specific to toronto with some off team some offshoot teams of montreal maybe a vancouver team coming up but I would say 20 to 30 teams there, uh, just on the men's side. Yep. And then on the Labor Day major tournament, there's at least 60 teams. Right. And those are, like you said, from all over North America. All over North America, from San Fran to L.A. to New York, Boston, Washington, Houston, now a Chicago team, as well as Philadelphia, and Toronto, of course, and Montreal, and a little bit of starting up now Vancouver. Nice. Now, I'll have to get a female guest on so they can talk about their version of Diamond, just so our listeners, uh, the women play a traditional six-on-six, and I think they play the U.S. rules or the libero conserve, and I think uh, it's just a different model, but they also play on the same circuit. They play at the same venues, very competitive, and I think they have similar number of clubs, or would there maybe be a touch more on the women's side? Maybe a little. um, On the Labor Day tournament, a touch very similar, if not a little less, and on the Canada Day, I think a little less in terms of teams. And there is a unique rule that we kind of overlooked, but in both rules apply to the women's side and the men's side. Two-thirds of the people on the court have to be full Chinese descent. The definition of Chinese descent is 100% Chinese, paperwork or born in, in, in China, your background, your ancestry. The remaining third can be of Asian descent, and there's a long list of what classifies as a Asian descent. So, for example, sixes women's. Uh, of the six on the court, four have to be full Chinese, two can be of Asian descent, either, and within that construct of the third, you can have half Asian, half non-Asian, fall into that category, and for the men, 
It's six out of the nine have to be full Chinese. Three have to be in that Asian, not uh, in that Asian descent, quote unquote. And I want to be careful how I phrase this because me being involved, I got this question a lot when I would explain it to my volleyball friends who have never seen Nine Man. It's exclusive, but I think if you go back to the heritage where you said they weren't welcome at YMCA's, they weren't welcome. It's not that non-Chinese people can't play Nine Man; they can play wherever they want. But this circuit has a content rule for for heritage. So to me, it, you know, I'm just going to say it. I can't phrase it away. I don't think this is racist because it just has a content rule that's right for that. So there's no reason that you and I can't go to the park right now and play Nine Man and start our own tour. But this this circuit specifically has a content rule. Is that fair to say? I, I think it's 100% fair to say. And I think when you dive into now, people look at it with just the gaze of current situation and they get, a f maybe some people get offended. But when you think historically of how it originated, and there's a great movie, um, a documentary called Nine Men by yeah. Ursula Liang, and it's been shown on TVO as well. But if you see that, the origins of the game kind of originated from racism in terms of being ostracized and not welcomed into the communities and, and being seen as an outsider. So they had to resort to that. Uh, so great description from your end. And I just think if you think about it historically, you'll understand the dynamic. Yes. Yeah, so I'll definitely add that to the show notes because that was a documentary that really opened my eyes to like how far back this game goes and all the influences and kind of the battles it went through that I think... I think it's important that that sense of community gets kept and that sense of history gets kept because just because the game's getting popular and reaching more communities doesn't mean we have to open it up, right? Like, I think the traditional sense of the game is still doing what it needs to do, and I think community's always been the main principle of this, right? I think so, and, and community, um, maintaining, kind of creating an environment where people can understand their heritage as well. And and let's you, you can chime in here, but I think it's also an avenue for athletes to continue to develop and grow and become better volleyball players, but also become learn how to be better teammates and athletes as well because, you know, you have this dynamic of nine guys on a court and they're saying that I often would say, you know, you're not nine players, you're nine players that become one team. Um, so all the things you'll learn as a nine-man player can translate to your club organization, can translate to your whatever future volleyball goals you want to achieve. And I think there is that great synergy about community, teamwork, um, camaraderie, all that stuff that kind of big, builds a cyclical kind of positive environment for an athlete. Absolutely. I think Nine Man's probably one of the best circuits I've seen that manages high performance, but also community. And what I mean by that is on day one, everybody's in the same tier and you play it out. And then as you perform, you get put in tiers and you get meaningful matches. So um, friends of the show might know like Ray Zito, or there's been like other high level people who've played as high as like the national team. And then there's people who have never played volleyball beyond high school who still compete at this level. And I think there's, the top tier of nine man is really, really good, but then there might be a third or fourth tier where it's just people who want to play and love the sport and they have a meaningful outlet too, right? So it's not, there, there's no layer of nine man that, that's exclusive to me, but there is a layer that's very high performance. And I think whatever people want from this game, they can really find, right? So I, I thought that was great where, again, on day one, everybody's playing everybody. It doesn't matter what city you're from. Everybody's just kind of jumbled and the rankings are accurate, but a little bit random sometimes. But by the third day, you're in the right tier where you should be, you're going for it. And whether, like I said, whether you're a national team level player, you're in a proper tier. And whether you're, I don't know, a 15 year old kid playing for the first time, or another great thing about Nyman, you could be in your 60s and still enjoy this sport, yeah, right? Some, so, some elders still playing to this day, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's definitely a level for everybody. Um, you keep bringing up the community stuff. I hope you could cover just a few stories or anecdotes that you've had where, again, in my experience, I think it was great just being a part of Nung Lum where we were maybe a big reason that maybe an athlete needs a passport for the first time because maybe the first time they cross the border is they're going to the New York Mini and they, their parents aren't with them and we're kind of supervising them and being the mentor or 
maybe they've never been to Montreal or San Francisco. Like, I think the opportunities for community in Nine Man are, are so obvious to us because we've seen it. But maybe tell our listeners just about all the off-court activities that go in that really build the sense of community, too. I think it's a great opportunity, as you alluded to. We, we get a lot of various levels of financial individuals and financial situations. Uh, fortunate for me, the organization Nunlum that I was a part of was really conscious on creating a financial environment where people who are less fortunate can also still have the opportunity to play and travel. Uh, we travel to New York. We stay in the heart of Manhattan. Uh, we stay right by where the World Trade Center used to be. Mm-hmm. We have the opportunity to go to Montreal, as you said. Uh, we provide a kind of a financially affordable opportunity for people to experience these things outside of just playing the game. Going to San Francisco, going to L.A., very costly, and we try our best to mitigate some of that stuff. A lot of the stuff is out of pocket. majority of it is out of pocket, but we at our organization try to do our best to create charitable, sorry, fundraising events to offset those costs. So I think it's a great cultural experience, like you said, in addition to volleyball, and it gives people the opportunity to kind of experience things like they never experienced before. It kind of putting you on the spot with this one, I didn't give you a heads up on this one, but for you being a top-tier player, like you were always in the middle of it at the major, do you think you remember more tough matches, or do you think you remember your time in the city? Like, what stands out when you think back to Nine Man all these years? Like, is it the friendships that stick out, or is it, like, going for that gold medal and the trophy? I think 100%. It's not to be a cop-out, so I'll give you some some candid elements to me. Nine, wait, seven out of the, my ten groomsmen at my wedding were part of my volleyball club. My bestest friends and my, like, brothers... I don't have any brothers, we're side by side on my wedding day. Midway through when we started getting competitive, when you started joining us as a coach, um, we, for me, it started to get more focused on performance and the brotherhood element was a overall responsibility that I felt and a culture component that I felt obliged to continue to develop and I still, and I hope you can attest to it, still tried to do a really good job of that while still fo- really being focused more on trying to win this thing yeah there there is a different mood because practice feels different if, if you're a true community club and everybody's going to play against everybody but for us we we would warm up together and then we would definitely separate because we had what was called a youth team which would might be kids as young as 13 and 14 and it it didn't always match that maybe the top tier team that, that's going to try to win the major and, and one candidate day is playing against them in practice right yeah. so it's always a tough thing to say that we're a brotherhood but then when like were between those those lines that we're going for it too, right? So I, I thought you always managed that really well. One thing that stood out to me was you basically started like a mentorship or a speaker series, right? Where yeah. where the, the vets would have an opportunity to speak to the young guys after practice. Can you just touch on that, like where that idea came from and, and maybe some of the topics that you wanted the vets to cover for the young bucks? So when we first started, we were a team of uh, two, an A team and a B team. And as you alluded to earlier, we have developed into a large organization through doing quality things off the court, but also performing on the court through some attrition of other clubs. So we grew to maybe five, six teams at, at one season. So a season runs from May to September, Labor Day, our season runs, the nine-man season. And as we got bigger, we I was trying to think of a way to still maintain a camaraderie from different levels of team members, different tiers, so that they didn't feel intimidated to have a conversation with a guy like myself or... Uh, I didn't feel intimidated to have a conversation with an individual on a, a rookie. And, and being a rookie on the organization, you know, we'll talk about it a little fun later on, but, you know, it can be intimidating when you join an organization of 
all Asian males, uh, very athletic, very strong, very already building a camaraderie and you're this outsider. So I wanted to create a rookie speaker series of the veterans sharing their experience, what they got out of it, what are they getting out of it, and what do they want to hope to instill in for them, for the other people moving forward, and some advice for the rookies on how to be more involved and how to get more out of it. There's a line I would coin in addition to the the nine guys becoming one team, I would say, you only get out of this experience what you put into the experience. And I was living proof of it because I put a lot into it for my 16 years and I got the most out of it. And I always tell them that. Definitely, yeah. One thing I, I loved about our club, obviously I'm biased because I, I was there and I enjoyed it and I'd be there now if I could just figure out my schedule a little bit more. But we would have a group huddle at the start of practice and we would have a group huddle at the after. So everybody was in a circle, we're all equals. Like you said, the, the rookie who might be there the first time is like a 14-year-old. At least he knows the name of everybody in the club, and they, they interact and they talk. And we might argue about basketball or other stuff, or they can ask like technical volleyball questions that even though we were separating into like our, our teams and we were going to go forward and train hard, there was still like a club sense to it that everybody was on the same page and we at least respected each other, if that makes sense. Like, 100%. So I, I think that's – and I'm not saying that other clubs don't do it. I just – I've never been to a, a practice of, of say, like a – Boston Knights or some of the other clubs that have a lot of heritage. It could be happening there, but I just know that Nunglum's top tier. Like I thought we did that really well, and that's that's a credit to you. That's a credit to Edmund Chan, who is involved in probably every layer of volleyball. So there's there's a lot of people who put a lot of time into this, right? And I think the other thing that we need to get across is it's all user fees, right? Like that's, and I don't think there's prize money, right? And I mean, so everybody's there again, just harping on this this community thing, right? So. Um, as the game continues to change, what do you see for nine man? You mentioned that now we're going to bigger centers like maybe Fort Lauderdale, which doesn't have a, a traditional Chinese background, but the events there turns into a vacation. Like, do you think that's the model nine man's going, or do you want to see it continue to be in the Chinatowns? Like, what do you see as it continues to grow and change here? So this upcoming Labor Day is going to be hosted in Toronto, so it's going to be hosted at the Convention Center down by Simcoe in front. Where just to give you context, it used to be in Chinatown at. Beverly and Dundas okay. in terms of streets or in terms of like parking lots, in terms of Riverdale, um, tennis courts, three, four, five courts. Right now we're at finding ways to accommodate 60 teams. We're like, you built the courts last year. It was like 15 courts, yeah, 15 men's courts. And everyone in your podcast and those new listeners know what a court size is roughly. Add another meter, you got to fit 15 men's courts there. Yeah, 10 right. by 10 on each side. So shout out to the OVA. I believe they supplied the sport court, and I imagine they'll be involved this year in Toronto. But yeah, just housing the venue in one spot, which I, I think is really important for the sport that, to keep the community alive. We all need to be in the same space. So Agreed. we've kind of outgrown some of the areas in Chinatown or these outdoor courts, right? So I think it needs to find a way to get back into the Chinese heritage. But as you grow bigger, you then can accommodate. Like a part of it is you're eating traditional Chinese foods at traditional Chinese restaurants. Yeah. Now with 60 some odd teams, about... 15 people each, that's 900, my quick math, that's like 900 people. And a lot of restaurants can't accommodate 900 people, especially the traditional Chinese ones. That, that's another layer you bring to it is, yeah, there's always a banquet at the major, right? Large that's, banquet. That's a big deal to go to. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I think being too big isn't a bad problem to have, but it does take away from like the the community or how close it used to be, right? So that's, that's something that Edmund Chan and the rest of the board kind of have to really battle with, right? Like yeah. how big can we get and... Um, Without losing the tradition, right? Yeah, agreed. And I think uh, my evolution, I think, is they, and, and you alluded to it earlier about everyone starting at square one on day one. I think because of the competitive levels and because of the size of the teams now, the amount of teams, not the size, but the amount of teams, 
I think they do eventually have to move towards a tiered system, like a elite, com uh, open, and a rec, so that you can kind of define what channel you want to play in and then play in it, because I think it is starting to get a little longer mm -hmm. with the disparity of the 60 teams. So we, we keep speaking about um, this high level. Would you like to give a shout out? Is there any player on the tour that you really admire, whether it's like Kevin Wong or Danny on our team or Wilkie or uh, Justin from Smash? Like, is there anybody on the tour you're like, man, that guy can really play. I really respect his game. I have a lot of respect for a lot of players, um, but I'm not the competitor myself, you know, I always want to beat those elite yeah, level players. Yeah. I think it's, I think you got to see the videos on YouTube. And you have to, if you can, go down to the convention center on Labor Day and see some of the high level, especially on the Monday. We always talk about day three, Monday being the last day of the tournament. And that's what everyone's competing for and to get to day three mm -hmm. and to compete on day three. I think there's a lot of great athletes that you just alluded to. But for me, it's about playing in that experience and kind of talking through my experience on when meaningful games, the definition of meaningful games. And I coach my young players now, like, your definition of a meaningful game will be different than person X or person Y yep. and myself. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of athletes, and that would be unfair to just highlight one or a few. There's so many. Because I already went down the slippery slope of a, slippery slope, excuse me, of a few shout-outs. I'll, I'll give one more, and then we can move on. Uh, Kanita, I think, until I saw you play live and I got to see you every week at practice, he does stuff that I've never seen people do. His level of skill, his volleyball IQ... Uh, I'll give one more shout-out, then I'll move on. But yeah, I think Kanita is a guy for me that I, I could watch play any version of volleyball any day. So shout-out to you, buddy. Doing a great job. Glad to see he's still playing. Like, Because he, he's up there in years, but he's still banging he's it, fantastic, right? and I think what's great about him is the, the ability to instill his knowledge and his uh, support and his coaching down to younger generations totally. on how to help. So I was fortunate to play with him last year as well. And it, it was a great opportunity to learn as a, how to be a better leader and a better teammate as well. And I hope I was able to contribute in some capacity to him as well. Absolutely. Yeah, you'd be there in my books. If you weren't sitting on the couch beside <laughs> me, I'd definitely give you a shadow because I think being a defender in nine minute is extremely difficult. I thought you had a great serve. You always influenced the game in a positive way. Serve, receive. Uh, D-Tran, obviously a favorite player of mine. There's just too many lists. I'm going down a slippery slope. I'm going to leave somebody out just because we don't have time to mention them all. Um, Let's get into another side of Nine Man, which is, is fun. Talking about the major, everyone has a memory of their initiation. So at Nunglam, what I always liked is, one, the respect still stayed in the room. We weren't out there to embarrass anybody, but there was a hierarchy that, like, you got to pay your dues a little bit. So without embarrassing everybody or sharing too much, um, what, what was kind of the intent of our initiation, and what do you think the guys really enjoyed about it? Because I, I don't think feelings got hurt at ours. I think there's a lot of smiles, a lot of laughs, a lot of stories for years, right? Yeah, no, ours was pretty creative. So we've evolved from when we started to when kind of now. My initiation year, I had to, amongst my teammates, so once again building that camaraderie, amongst the 10 or 12 of us, we had to each French kiss, uh, kiss, kiss a fish head. Uh, with hot sauce in the in the mouth, and we would reuse the same fish head. So you were really building that camaraderie. <laughs> then we also had to clean a chicken head that was drenched in hot sauce. So you'd clean it and then put it back in, and then the next person went, and you had to draw straws to see who went first. That's we did that for a while. Then uh, part of that was one of my teammates who joined in the second year said, "I'm allergic. I can't eat hot sauce. I have a sensitive stomach." So then the vets at that time said, "Okay, then you're going to eat half an onion." And that's where our onion component started. And that kind of evolved to be a staple where the half the onion was always a rookie had to eat a, a, literally a half an onion, like an apple. And how we kind of evolved it was if there were, when we did the spectacle, vets could step in and say, I'll help you with a bite or help you with a piece. Yep. 
so this, the onion was a staple and it was amazing and it made people uh, be quite stinky and we would do it kind of before the banquet night uh, and on the banquet night or do it uh, just before the clubbing night of the of yeah. the major so it always would be kind of a repulse a repulse mechanism for them <laughs> we've done some other things that were pretty funny we, we did a Montreal Labor Day tournament in the major one of the guys created a scavenger hunt so we created shirtless shirts on the individuals so all they had were sleeves a neckline and then the the middle part was cut out in a really creative way so it was a shirtless shirt they had to wear it and through the weekend they had to go perform various tasks a lot of them did it on the sunday night leading up to the banquet so that was a pretty unique experience and i think that was one of the best most creative ones that we've ever done um, I did one where, uh, in addition to the onions, there were some fun shirts that uh, were cut out and created with tassels. And when they were standing solo, it was this cute little adorable teddy bear on the front. But when they stood in number sequence, there was a large phallic symbol um, in their back drawn together. So when they were separate, just these various lines on their back, when they stood, it became one large um, male genitalia, which was quite uh, humorous <laughs> to see. Uh, but all in all, purpose side, it was all we always tried to do in good fun. We always did it to build that camaraderie within that rookie club, within that rookie year. So they were always doing things together, and we do a fair bit of things both in the major Labor Day tournament, but as well we go to New York every year. Mm -hmm. We take pride in going every year, trying to go every year, and we do some fun activities there as well. A penny, a penny push, a, yeah. or a quarter push, where you wheelbarrow with your friend, your teammate member, your other rookie, and you have to push the quarter with your nose on a rug, on rug, and you'd have to flip, and your teammate would have to do the same thing back, which was quite an enjoyable experience watching people do that. Yeah, again, me being an outsider and obviously coaching at a college and club level, you're kind of told that you know hazing's bad and all this stuff, and and while I I agree, like it can go the wrong way and it can turn into bullying. I thought we always walked the line really well where. They get a story out of it. They're laughing the whole time. It brings them together. So um, for any of our listeners who just heard like, oh, you guys initiate, that's like a really jerk thing to do. I think it benefited everybody. And I don't think, and if our rookies were uncomfortable, we would definitely let them out of it. But there wasn't any hands going up saying, I'm not going to do this, right? Yeah. And like I said, we are extremely, like I, I came in to a new environment, being the younger guy, being the generation. So I was able to kind of vet and create a different environment. So I think when I, put myself in a more of a leadership role, I was able to change that dynamic to make it more inclusive from that perspective, but fun and also while still maintaining that hierarchy. So yeah, no, without a doubt, we try to do it with taste and with class. We have uh, the owner now who inherited the team from the, the, the original owner, still actively involved, Alan Lau, as well as, as you allude to, Edmund Chan. And we have a lot of older vets that kind of make sure that we stay kind of on the, on the, on the right side of the line. Nice. So um, now that you've decided to, to not play, I mean, you, you've had your time. 16 years is a long time to commit. So you're recently married. Looking back at Nine Men, is there anything that you miss? Like when May kicked around the start of this year, were you like, man, I feel like I should be somewhere? Is, do you miss the brotherhood? Do you miss playing at a high level? Or are you enjoying your time off right now? Once again, I'm going to be 50-50 here. I miss <laughs> the camaraderie, without a doubt. I miss the companionship and the shooting the poop, as they would say it, being politically correct and the banter with the team members. I'm gonna miss for sure, and I articulated, and you know this, when we got to a level where we were playing on Monday and there's crowds watching your games, three or four deep, standing on chairs, standing on ladders, but the, the, it was so clear and I was 
drowning out the noise. I'm going to miss that element of competing. Uh, but I am happy to be able to take some of my time back. Um, at some point in the last few years, you know, I felt like I had to go versus wanting to go. Right. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I wanted to go too, but I, I felt compelled that I had to maintain this to hold the line. But, you know, the last couple of years I realized, you know, A, it'll continue to go. And there's great structure and great people in place to continue this community and our organization and help continue and alter even. Um, the framework of the organization to make it better because who's to say I did anything or led any better way than somebody else can lead. So uh, it was just time for me to also give take my time back and enjoy some of my personal time. Yeah, I, I had similar feelings when I, I felt really bad that I couldn't be a part of it, but you're right. Nobody's bigger than the club. I think they've got a great structure in place that coaches can come in and players can come in and out like and, and the club lives on, right? So I think it's great. I'll hopefully get out to a practice and see the guys again, but I'm definitely missing it, but just couldn't make it work this year. Uh, let's give one more shout out to Nunglum just so before we move on to some of the other exciting projects. If people want to get involved, I believe social media is probably the best way to get a hold of somebody, right? Probably on the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, the Instagram, I just made myself sound really old. And you mentioned the financial barriers involved in Nine Man. I know a lot of clubs do this. This was something that Nunglum was pretty special at was fundraisers, right? So we there's a golf tournament, there's a clubbing fundraiser, there's raffles that if you don't have the means to play, we, we basically give you a template that you can earn your user fees back just by being a good fundraiser, right? Yeah, so you'll just probably have to account for some of the travel costs, but being that this year's in Toronto, you can pretty much offset everything else. Uh, the the Instagram to check out, they're actually doing a 50-50 raffle now. I think they may have just finished the 50-50, but it's N-G-U-N-L-A-M, or if you search NLV, you'll see that that's where all the information is there and all the contact information is there as well. So that's great. And if you live in a different community outside Toronto, I'm sure you could ask one friend and they can point you in the direction of the Nine Man Club in your area. And if there's not one, you can start it. Uh, this was very uh, Nunglum focused because that, that's the area I know and that's the area I wanted to give a shout out. So not trying to offend any other clubs. You can definitely speak on yours or you can come on the show and talk about it. But uh, that's my club. So we're going to talk about it. Nice. Good. So hopefully we've done the great sport of Nine Man some justice and some, some people who are new to the sport want to check it out. So for anyone in the GTA the candidate tournament is happening at the Toronto Police College. Is that correct? Yep, Islington and Lakeshore this upcoming Saturday and Sunday, June 28th and 29th, I believe, or June 29th and 30th. And that'll be a good one to check out. Uh, the men and women are in the same venue, so you'll be able to check out uh, both disciplines of that. Uh, yeah, if you want to check it out any time, there'll be matches going on all the time, but I would recommend uh, Sunday, probably mid-morning to afternoon is when the meaningful matches really happen. There'll be playoffs, teams will be getting eliminated, you'll be going for it, but... Yeah, if you, if you just love volleyball, it's a very inclusive community where you can check it out. Don't feel like you have to be of Chinese descent or a part of a club to be there. Um, just show up and check it out and cheer for Nang Lam if you're, if you're really getting into it here. And pack your hat and some sunscreen because it is going to be outdoors. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great weekend. So the women are indoors, is that true? Are they outdoors? indoors. Some of the women play outdoors. Okay. But uh, the men will all be outdoors pending weather, of course. Yeah, pack a snack, your hat, your sunscreen, just make a day of it. Yeah, it's going to be a great experience. Good good exposure to Nine Men, and, and like Josh said, it's the first time. It's a great environment to get get to know it. Uh, so it's just kind of leading that you have moved on. You're, you've, you're a retired Nine Man vet now. You've got an exciting project on the go. Uh, tell me about this clothing company you and your buddy started. Yeah, so we just thought, thought of, you know, a side passion project. We we kind of, we were both working together in the alcohol business. We went to school together and we thought, you know what, there's not, in our opinion, not a witty, kind of creative, fun volleyball gear out there. So we've started smrtsports.com, focusing on witty, kind of athletic apparel, right now focusing on volleyball, 
Uh, we have some fun shirts up there, but we're also doing custom work for teams, for organizations, for uh, great companies, for podcasts maybe. Yes, hopefully. Um, so we're just kind of working on custom apparel as well as focusing right now on some witty volleyball gear. We have a fun one that I think is super adorable. Your block is irrelevant, and it's just a block with a, a, a elephant blocking the a volleyball on the that. nose. Yeah. So it's kind of witty stuff like that. I'm wearing a shirt right now that says, I love my wife in big letters, but even there says, I love my wife when she lets me play volleyball. Uh, so there's some really cool witty shirts that we're trying to carve out, and there's no knock on the volleyball gear out there. We just thought it'd be a good avenue. We're both witty quirky, funny guys, creative, and we thought there's a niche and we thought we could maybe fill that hole. And the, you've, you've aligned with the charity, is that right? Yeah, so we're aligned with um, Right, right to, to Play, play. Yeah, yeah, and we're, we're donating all the shirts that, we, a dollar from every shirt goes back to there. Um, we make a donation for every shirt, go back there. So every, we'll make a donation on behalf of every shirt purchased to right, go back right. to Right to Play. Nice. So how did you, out of all the great causes coming up, how did you guys decide on that one? Because I'm sure there's lots of options out there, right? Yeah, I just thought, we thought, you know, big picture, if we want to evolve into a larger sport apparel, it has a big, you know, athletic kind of focus while giving, using sports to bring communities together. So we just thought there was good synergy there. Yeah, I think the way you just explained your company, like, it seems like the, the intent matches there, right? So it seems like a perfect partnership, which yeah. I'm sure they appreciate. Yeah. Good. Uh, so what's your website? Where can people find this out? Check out the story of men's, women's. We have men's and women's and you know, we're able to do custom apparel as well. So it's www.smrtsports.com. Perfect. Uh, putting you on the spot a little bit here. Are you going to be on site at any events? Is that going to be a good way to bring you back to the nine man community? Or? So both my friend and I started some new jobs, but yeah, we are, our intent is to partner with some volleyball organizations and volleyball tournaments and be on site. We have some outdoor apparel some tents and all that stuff up and running. We just got to solidify some places this summer. If not, for sure, you'll see us in the future. It's not going anywhere. It's a passion project that we're excited about. Awesome, Wes. It was great to see you. I'm sorry I had to start a podcast so we could hang out again, but it's uh, always great seeing you. Hopefully, I'll see you uh, soon, but that's a great thing you're doing with uh, SMRT and your clothing brand there, and, and if I see you around Nine Man, it'll be great to see you, but uh, any last comments before we cut you loose here? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk about Nine Man. It gave so much to me, and I think uh, hopefully I conveyed it properly. Perfect. If not, we'll have to be back on when Dallas is here. We'll get a few more witty puns, but uh, sorry, Dallas. Sorry you missed this one, but we got some bonus content here with Wesley, and awesome. Thanks again for coming, man. Thanks again. Thanks to Wes for coming on the show and teaching us all about Nine Man, just in time for the big Canada Day tournament. If you're new to Passing Dimes, feel free to check out our previous episodes. If indoors your thing, we've had some great guests like TJ Sanders, Jesse Elser, Mark Wilson, Eric Matson, Becky Pavin, to name a few. If beach is your thing, feel free to check out episodes with Jake McNeil, Aaron Nossbaum, and super friend of the show Ben Saxton. Or come back on Friday where we have special guest Brandy Wilkerson. As usual, the best compliment you can give the show is just by telling one friend. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed.